for today's meditation, I encourage you to do it after this episode, after you've listened to the full thing. And I ask you, one, to sit in silence with your eyes closed, legs crossed, or lying down, however you're the most comfortable. And dig into yourself. Imagine the adolescent or toddler or infant version of you and to ask him or her what do they need? How can you, as their future self, parent them or nurture them or show up in a way that this younger version of you needs? Do they need a hug? Do they need a kiss? Do they just need someone to say you're okay? Do they need a high five or or what? Listen to this episode and connect with your younger self. How can you mother or father a younger version of you? That is the inquiry today. Hi, you are listening to the Salam Podcast, a little corner of the universe where we explore self-development, the woo-woo, the weird, and the real life. I'm your host, Jade Terrio. Before deep diving into this episode, I want to give a little life update. I have been struggling with my mental health preparing for the birth of my little girl. She's due in September and managing a full-time life, full-time corporate job. And I decided that I'm going to take some time off of recording to plan, prepare, and be able to show up deeper in the future. So basically what this is going to look like is this will be my final episode until August where I plan to relaunch with more heart than you could possibly imagine. Also more organization (laughs) and consistency. So thank you for showing up up until this point and being a part of this incredible community that's being built I truly love you all and I love doing this. I just want to give you the energy you deserve and I also want to honor my body and my needs because growing a human being is hard. Now that the formalities are out of the way, a proper hello, howdy to you all. I am so excited you're here and that I get to share one of my most profound spiritual experiences with you all. The story, trip, experience that I'm going to share today is truly the one that has absolutely, without a doubt, changed the trajectory of my entire life. First... This episode is being recorded on Mother's Day, 
So happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there and to all the children out there who have great moms, who maybe don't have present mothers. Happy Mother's Day to you all too, because you matter. I hope everyone feels loved and held despite your circumstances. And I hope you know that even if you don't have a present mother, that you are loved and you are held. And whether or not you believe it, the mother universe is here for you. And you can celebrate motherhood in various other ways. And I do hope you do that. This year is my first Mother's Day where I actually celebrated the stepping into motherhood. I celebrated Mother's Day in Colorado with one of my very best friends, Ari. I met Ari in Nosara, Costa Rica in 2021 at a women's retreat where we both had very transformative experiences. Um, Transformative in different ways, but transformative nonetheless. The retreat itself wasn't the catalyst of all this change, but it was the space holder where me and Ari and I want to say eight other women really had a chance to go inward and look at parts of ourselves that we, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself and say parts of myself that I had never looked at and didn't even know existed. The magic of Nosara still lives and breathes within me, and it is the number one place in the world that I crave to go back to. And once I have sweet little girl, she and I are definitely going to go dance and play in the rainforest. Two full years later and 1,200 miles between Ari and I, she and I managed to talk almost every day. Um, I tried to make a yearly trip to see her in Colorado. Despite the distance, she and I truly make a very consistent effort to be a part of each other's everyday lives. She has been such a rock throughout my pregnancy and honestly throughout the last two years of my life, which have been a beautiful chaos. And honestly, if all I would have gotten out of this retreat was Ari and this friendship with her, I would be blissfully satisfied. But I'm as fortunate as I am and as blessed by the universe as I am And I got Ari, and I got the very, very healing, transformative experience that I did. And I actually, it's so funny, the synchronicities in my life. I want to share more about this trip to Nosara and my past and how everything in my life is so entangled, but in such a divine and intentional way of the universe. And um, <laughs> the perfect uncoincidental thing about my friendship with Ari and the timing of everything in my life is that in Nosara, a lot of my internal work was healing this big, swollen, purple mother wound. 
um, before going on this retreat, I had no idea what a mother wound was or that I was inflicted by one. And before going on the retreat, I had no idea that that, that would be my experience, but it manifested so clearly from the start. This retreat landed on my mother's birthday week. So her birthday is August 4th. August 4th was, I think, mid the middle of the week that we went um, to Nosara for the retreat. And for some backstory, for those of you who may have never listened to any of my episodes before or who's not familiar with me, my mom died when I was 13. She died two days after my 13th birthday from ocular melanoma, which is a skin cancer that first attacked and presented itself in her eye. And before my mom's death, our relationship was unstable and ungrounded. And my mom was a beautiful soul. She was so genuine and so loving and so nurturing but she had this very, very deep-rooted dependency on men and this desperation to be loved. And that seemed to rule her a lot. And um, I am her third daughter with my dad. So... They divorced, separated, whatever you want to call it, when I was really young. And she was a single mom of three girls with full custody. And on top of that, she managed a full-time restaurant. Um, so there wasn't much time in her schedule for a long time to nurture and hold space and be a mother. And I remember... She wasn't as present as we needed. And when I was, I want to say I was about six, my mom remarried a man who was not a great human being. And he wedged even more distance between us. She ended up having two more children with him, found out she had cancer while she was pregnant for my little brother. Um, and then she left my sisters and I in Louisiana with my grandmother for five years. <laughs> and then, and while she was gone, we, we didn't keep in very consistent communication. There was a lot of drama and chaos and conflict that my grandmother tried to protect us from. So the, the communication was very limited and then after about five years, she returned, um, thinking that her cancer was, that she was in remission from her cancer. And we spent a couple of months with her and then found out her cancer had metastasized to her liver. So all of that to say... <laughs> The year, the years preceding her leaving were confusing and they were hard and they were heartbreaking, heartbreaking. So my mom returned in February of 2008, which was about a month after my grandfather died. My grandfather, who we called Poppy, who's I'm, who I'm naming my daughter after because he was a great human being, at least to 
to us granddaughters. My mom returned a little bit, a couple of weeks after he died. And for the briefest moment, me and my sisters and my family, we felt like we were all on the mend. And I, and again, I can't speak for everyone, but there was this moment where time felt like it froze and everything felt as normal as it could be, you know, because the years before she left were so confusing and heartbreaking and hard that it was so surreal to finally have her home. She had brought my two younger siblings back with her and after all of this time of waiting and wishing and hoping, we had some semblance of a family. It was untraditional looking and not this wholesome American looking family, but it was it was our version of a family and it was as whole as it could be. Uh, whenever she returned, we were all under the impression that she was in remission and we spent about seven or eight months rebuilding our relationship with her and her showing up in our lives and showing up for us and showing up as a mom and showing up for herself. And then in November of 2008, about eight or nine months after her return, we had to rush her to the hospital and Basically, the doctors diagnosed her with eight weeks left to live, which is not very much time in itself. And I want to say not even a week later, two days after my birthday, my 13th birthday, she died in my grandmother's, we lived in a lake house. She died in this room that we had made, a makeshift hospital room to keep her comfortable for the eight weeks that we thought we had. It was really hard and sad. And this is going to sound strange, but looking in retrospect, <clears throat> I really wouldn't have had it any other way. I witnessed my mom take her very last breath on earth. And I watched her fade away. And I think because of that and because of the proximity, the fact that I was there and I was able to sit with her even after she died, there's a sense of closure that I got with her death, um, especially because she had been gone for five years prior to returning home. Until going to Costa Rica in 2021, though, the grief of losing my mom lived so deeply in me. And Mother's Day still, despite the closure that I had from her death, Mother's Day has been, since 2008, this sad, heavy day of the year. It's not ever been a day that... Me and my sisters have particularly celebrated. It's more 
than a day where we use our very dark humor and make jokes about our mom's death and we, you know, push through. Both of my sisters have children. So that has always been this kind of savings grace, saving that has always been the light in it. And we've we've also celebrated with my grandmother who raised us like we were her own, but there's always been a longing for my mother. In Costa Rica, my entire relationship with my mother and the idea of motherhood completely shifted. First, let me say, since I was a teenager, since I was probably about 15, I have teeter-tottered the edge of wanting to be a mother. I have gone back and forth from being gung-ho all about motherhood to absolutely denying any concept of becoming a mother. Um, I did not for a long time want to infringe upon my freedom to travel and to just be an independent being without the obligation of caring for another being because I understand that it's important for a certain amount of time in our lives to be selfish and to live our lives the way it feels good for us to live our lives. And my mother never had that opportunity. And for me, that is how I justify her behavior now being, you know, older than she was when she had me. But she never had that moment in time to just be a mid-20-year-old living a life. She was a very young mother, and then not only a very young mother, but a very young mother to three girls. And it felt important to me that I expand and stretch out in that freedom and use that to my advantage. But during this time in my life where I denied motherhood, it was one extreme or the other. It was either, yes, I'm going to be a mother or hell no, I'll never be a mother because I need to be free. And I didn't realize that there is a middle ground and you can have the best of both worlds. I also just could not bear the thought of bringing in a child, especially a daughter, and hurting her the way that I felt so hurt and abandoned growing up. I genuinely, truly did not trust myself to be a mother. And I had never given motherhood this amount of thought and this amount of weight. It was just something that, like I said, it was either a full yes or a full no. And I went back and forth all the time about it. But throughout this trip in Costa Rica, the theme of motherhood and mothering was undeniable and so abundant. You know, one of the first women I connected with, with was my mother's age and she and I quickly bonded. She took me under her wing and while we were there, she told me that she meditated and reached out to my mother in the spirit realm and she asked my mother if she could step into a motherly role for me and to be like a mother for me. 
And I felt so deeply held by her this entire week. She and I truly bonded in such a beautiful way. There was this one night that we were all at dinner and she kept fixing my hair and she put lipstick on me like a mom would at dinner and she held so much space for me in this very nurturing and motherly way. And for the first time since my mother was alive, I felt safe enough to let her mother me. And that was very profound for me. The only person in my life, despite how wonderful my grandmother is and how much she has stepped up for me, I have never felt mothered um, by anyone except for my oldest sister, Victoria, who has, who I could do an entire episode or series about Victoria and how incredible she is and how much as a big sister she's mothered me. My relationship with this older woman who stepped up to mother me was really the first opening and unveiling of, okay, there is a wound in me. And the beginning of the week, I could not quite put my finger on it, but I knew that there was a wound. Now looking back, I know that it was a mother wound. And for those of you who don't know, a mother wound, based on the book by Bethany Webster, Discovering the Inner Mother, is a a set of internalized limiting beliefs and patterns that originates from the early dynamics with our mothers that causes problems in many areas of our adult lives, impacting how we see ourselves, one another, and our potential. Let that sit for a minute. (laughs) It's a set of internalized and limiting beliefs that basically it comes from our early interactions with our mother and the dynamic, the relationship of what we have with her. And it is basically a root cause of issues that affect our adult lives. And and it it impacts how we see ourselves, how we see others, and how how we interact with others. And the mother wound has so much impact on how we view and see and experience our potential to be in the world. Oof. It's a big, it's a big thing. This cliche in modern life where people will joke about women with daddy issues. And there's a lot of validity to that because in the same way that a, a mother wound exists, father wounds do as well. But Daddy issues is is this kind of joked about and shamed wounding that especially impacts women. But what we fail to recognize is that a lot of us women are walking around with mother wounds that we don't even know we're there. So as the week unraveled, so did my acknowledgement and understanding of this mother wound. And then in the middle of the week, the very big catalyst to it all, we 
participated in a mushroom and cacao ceremony. And mind you, I went into this entire retreat with no expectations about what type of healing I was doing. I was so open to the universe just showing me where I needed to put my attention and then putting my attention there, giving myself grace and acknowledging that there's some work to do and then integrating that what I learned from the retreat, doing that work. A mushroom and cacao ceremony, for those of you who don't know, is the intentional consumption of psychedelic mushrooms and cacao. Cacao is the raw form of chocolate. We drank it and it's grinded up and then you typically mix it with water and honey and a lot of people will, will put cayenne in it. And it helps. It's a heart opening herb. It's very spiritual and it works really well with mushrooms. And the purpose of mushroom and cacao, it ranges, but basically it's to address emotional wounds and working on personal growth to help foster mystical connections and spiritual experiences. And remember, I mean, the intention ranges per person, per ceremony, but our purpose was spiritual expansion and healing wounds. So me and the girls, we rode our four-wheelers to the sacred playground in Nosara. This sacred playground is, it's like four plus acres of raw land that has fruit trees and this natural swimming pool. There are these beautiful accommodations all over the property that are all very holistic and natural and intentional. And before the ceremony, we all just, we stripped down naked and went swimming in the pool and we're running around on this property. And it was just the dreamiest day. I I felt so free. And whenever I say the magic of Nosara still lives and breathes in me, I mean it. It was so, this whole experience was so profound So we spent the days literally just opening ourselves up to the universe, opening ourselves up to each other. And when it was time for the ceremony, we all met up under this big, beautiful pavilion, saged our sisters and settled into a mat with a pillow and an eye covering. And the ceremony started off with a prayer and intention setting. I went into the ceremony with the intention of learning my purpose. That was my big question. I prior to going on this retreat, I felt very desperate for direction in my life. And that was the big question that I had been asking myself is what is my purpose? Then we were given a cup of warm cacao that was blessed. And we passed around a small clay bowl of mushrooms and it was recommended to eat only one. So this was considered a microdose. Um, But we did have the option to eat two, and I ate two. (laughs) And um, like I said, this is a microdose, so it's not going to give you the very profound psychedelic experience, but it's plenty enough to open you up spiritually and to start playing and shifting those neural pathways. I know a lot of people think 
or have the perspective that in order to have a profound experience with mushrooms, you have to have a hero's dose. And that is just not the truth. Every time I've done mushrooms, it has been a microdose, and I always have the most insane, beautiful experiences. And I think a lot of it is rooted in our receptivity of it and the way that we honor the mushroom itself. I know that that sounds silly, but mushrooms are a sacred plant and we have to treat it that way. So once we consumed the mushrooms and drank a little bit of cacao, we were instructed to lay back on our mats with our eyes masked. And Lisa, the woman who led the ceremony, was playing drums and she was leading us into a meditation. And I don't know how to describe it as tangibly as I experienced it, but literally as soon as I tapped in to myself, I astral projected. And for those of you who don't know what astral projection is, um, I am going to touch more on it in a future episode. I'm actually going to dedicate an entire episode to astral projection. But for the sake of understanding now, I'll give you, I'll give you a little rundown. But before doing that, I want to say, please note that what I'm about to share is not associated with any one organized religion. In fact, I don't practice or participate in any type of organized religion. I am very spiritual. I believe in a higher power, but my beliefs are not the only potential beliefs that you may have. And if you disagree, that's okay. You are allowed to keep listening and disagree, or you are allowed to turn this off and disagree. And honestly, no, no one religion can describe the spiritual awakening that I received during this ceremony. But for the sake of, of explaining astral projection, so you can have a better feel for what I'm talking about, Astral projection is said to be a way that we, our souls, travel through the astral realm, which is basically the spirit realm. Astral projection is just a way that our souls literally climb outside of our bodies and travel through the spirit realm. You can do this while you're awake. I am pretty convinced that I do this at night while I'm sleeping unconsciously. Um, it's much safer to do it consciously. If you're interested in astral projection, I highly recommend that you do your research. And if you want to practice it, learn the ins and outs of it first so that you can practice it safely. And yeah, so Lisa started he uh, leaving our ceremony. And as soon as I dropped in, I astral projected. And as tangibly as I sit here recording this, I was transported to a beach and I stood there staring into the horizon with the full consciousness that I have even right now. And I remember thinking like, where am I? What just happened? But the 
the ocean swelled and parted. And I just intuitively knew that this path that had opened up was for me and that I needed to follow it. So I started walking between the two massive walls of ocean. They were at least 15 foot high. And at the end of the ocean path, an oak tree towered above me was just sitting like grounded in the sand, the ocean, like walls around it. And this is just, this is so funny to record and to share. But when I approached the tree, it absorbed me into its trunk, lifted me to its highest, highest branch. And at the very top of the tree, there were these two toucans waiting for me. So I naturally rode this toucan to this, it was past the clouds, um, into the sky. And there was this crystal quartz castle. And we got to this castle and there was this big door, although it was an archway, there was no door to enter. And as soon as I walked in, I was in this grand ballroom, like you see in fairy tale movies. And there were these little light orbs everywhere, all over. They're just like little light beings who I, again, intuitively knew were my spiritual and galactic ancestors. And I could hear them and feel them all welcoming me home, saying that they had been waiting for me and it was about time that I made it. And they were so happy that I was there. So I walked through the crowd and I entered this dining hall, but it was literally infinite. So this room, it was this massive wooden table that I could see the end of it. There was like one end of it with a chair on the end. Um, and then it stretched and stretched and the other end of it, I couldn't see the end. It just was infinite. And at the, the head of the end that I could see, I was sitting there. It was my highest self. So the version of me that lives on my highest, most abundant timeline. She was just sitting there waiting for me. And I ran to her. She stood and I felt the urge to hug her. And whenever I went to, she put her hand up, signaling stop between us and motion for me to sit, like sit beside her. And I remember feeling this like bubbling rejection from myself. So it was really odd, but I did as she motioned and I sat beside her. And after what felt like a few minutes of silence, I asked her, what is my purpose? She did not respond. She stared at me with an indifferent look and did not respond. So I asked her again, what is my purpose? Still no response. This happened a few times and I tried to keep my patience but then I felt anger and frustration bubbling up inside me. And so I asked her one more time and still nothing, like not even a face, not even a blink, not even a wink, nothing. She gave me nothing. And I climbed on top of the table. I towered over her and I was like, what is my purpose? Still, she gave me nothing. 
not even like the slightest flinch. So I lost all sense of myself, laid across the table like a toddler in the grocery store, belly down, banging and kicking on the tabletop. And I was screaming, what is my purpose? Tell me my purpose, banging on this table and exhausted myself. I don't know how long I did it because time is not real, especially when you're astral projecting. And finally, though, when I was out of breath and completely red in the face, I sat back in my chair, closed my eyes and took a deep breath. And when I opened my eyes, my highest self was smiling at me. And finally, she said to love. That's it. I had been asking her, what is my purpose? And her only response was to love. A sense of relief, I mean, it poured over me. And at the same time, I felt a hand on my shoulder. And when I looked up, my mother, clear as day, was standing beside me with her hand on my shoulder. Full flesh, just as I remembered her. Like I could see the pores on her skin. I could see the like veins in her eyes. I could, she, I was with my mom. And naturally, I jumped out of my chair, leaped into her arms, and I just burst into tears. My dad and my poppy, my dad's dad, was standing behind her. And I ran to each of them and I hugged them. And they led me into this other room where we ate honey and bread. And my mom's energy was so full and bright. She placed her hands on my cheeks, staring into my eyes. And she said, you don't need to grieve me anymore. I'm not gone. When you see a butterfly, feel reassured that's me. This is where I live now. And she was also like, when you miss me, just go back to the beach and travel that same path. This place is your home. And I just sobbed the entire time. And I just sobbed the entire time. And I just felt so grateful for this moment with her because I had missed her and craved her and ached for her for so long. And finally, she said, Jade, I am so proud of who you are. And then we stood up and hugged until I knew I had to leave. And my parents, my poppy, and my highest self walked me out of this castle. I hugged them each, being fully absorbed into the body of my highest self. And as my highest self, I walked back to the toucans, flew down to the tree, slid down the trunk, and walked back to the beach through the ocean's parted path. And then the walls of the ocean came back together, the path closed, and I opened my eyes and took my mask off and... <laughs> I was back in my body, wiggling my fingers and toes, and Lisa was guiding us all back gently. And I was, and I mean this in the most literal sense, sobbing. There were tears streaming down my eyes. I'm pretty sure I was moaning. We closed up the ceremony. Lisa excused us all to go and write about our experiences, to feel our feelings, to kind of come back to our senses. I felt so completely shifted from this experience. 
Like whenever I say this moment completely altered the trajectory of the rest of my life, I don't say that lightly. This ceremony, this experience, no matter what you say, whether you say it was real or whether you say it was not real, for me, this was so real and it healed me. It truly healed this unnamed grief that I held so heavily in my heart. It just dissolved it. And I felt such a sense of freedom and relief that I had been craving for, but I had never known. And I can honestly say that since this, since this, I have not felt grief, genuine grief for either of my parents or my grandfather. In fact, I feel grateful for them residing in this place that I still to this day have very easy access to. Every single night since this ceremony, this is how I put myself to sleep by astral projecting without mushrooms, of course, and returning to this glass castle. It's still as visceral and tangible as ever. This is my sacred space. I do cord cuttings here. I have interacted with my unborn child here. She and I live on this beach and it's this safe space for me. And I, like I said, whether this is real for you or not, this place is real for me and it is, it is my home. But I say all of this with a purpose and that is it's Mother's Day. And if you would have asked me three years ago how I felt on Mother's Day, I would have had a heavy heart and a deep longing. But since the ceremony and this trip to Costa Rica, I am settled. One of those truths that led me to this state of being settled is that what I have learned is that death is not the end. My mother is still very much alive. And another truth that I feel very reassured by from the ceremony is that my highest self was right. That my purpose in this life is just to love. I don't need to do anything else as long as I am in a state of love, which is honestly the most natural and easiest state for me to be in. Finally, the last truth that has settled me most is that I began healing this mother wound. I stitched up that festering hole, settled into a new truth, and the truth given the chance that I would actually be a kick-ass mom, <laughs> which, as it turns out, two years later, is a truth I get to live. This ceremony and this retreat to Costa Rica healed me and it put me on the path to motherhood. You know, in this 27-year lifetime, I have gone from being a motherless daughter to being teased with a mother to where I am now which is pregnant and due to become a mother to a daughter. And honestly, it's just this massive healing circle of life where literally everything has come full circle. And I get to step into the shoes that my mother never got to wear in this lifetime, in this realm. 
And that's what this season of my life is all about, stepping into the mother archetype and letting myself love deeper than I ever have, letting myself love deeper than I have ever been loved, and showing up for myself and my daughter in a way that lifts the entire vibration of the planet. Healing the mother wound is a task I I want to I won't say everyone, but I think most everyone has to address at some point. And I highly recommend doing your research, looking into what the mother wound is, and then when you're looking at yourself and di- dissecting yourself the way we all do, try to pinpoint what might be wounding from your mother and watch what happens when you burst that bubble and heal it, the freedom that comes from doing this work and from this healing is infinite and safe and so profound. I am genuinely in a new season of life. I have no idea what to expect with the future and what's coming. The only thing I know for sure is that I'm in uncharted territory and I am excited about it. I am excited to embark on this journey and to rapidly grow in this way because since I've gotten pregnant, the awareness, the growth, the willingness and hunger to be the very best version of myself that urge has been never been stronger than it is now and i also feel more inspired than ever to show up to this podcast in a deeper way in a more like i said in the beginning of the episode a more planned prepared and consistent way and that for me is going to look like taking a step back so that I can readjust and creating content more in advance so that I can show up with the depth and love that I want to show up with. Part of healing this mother wound is also remothering myself, which is big, big work and I feel so encouraged by this journey because remothering myself has been the most joyous and loving experience. Like mothering myself has, it has been the gentlest way that I can treat myself as, 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 as a mother. And if you struggle with unworthiness, insecurity, feeling not good enough, I encourage you to step into a motherly role for yourself and reparent that little girl in you who desperately just needs a mama, (laughs) who needs a mama to say that she's okay and she's loved and she's perfect the way that she is and she does not need to change one single thing about her. And that's what this season of my life is all about. And that's what this episode is all about, reparenting ourselves and my journey into 
motherhood, not just the motherhood of reparenting myself, but the motherhood of actually laboring and becoming a mother. I hope you enjoyed my magical story time. And I hope in my healing journey, you feel inspired to expand and tap into yourself deeper and take responsibility and hold yourself accountable to do your own healing. I hope that you get curious and ask questions and inquire about why you are the way you are and what may have made you that way. That is literally how I live my everyday life, trying to figure out my habits, patterns, behaviors, attitudes, and why I have those. I hope and encourage you to do the same because I promise there are profound results when you do that work and you ask those questions. Thank you to everyone for showing up. I'm so excited we could record this episode today and have this conversation. This experience in Nosara is my favorite, favorite moment of my life to share up to this point. And yeah, it's uh, pretty cool to be able to record it and give it to you guys. I hope you have an amazing day and I'm sending you off with all, all my love. Salam. So